That ball you want to take? That there's a mistake. Callahan. Callahan's a poser. Yeah, and what do you know that every scout and coach on earth does not? I know we got sacked 12 times last year. No, it was 11. It was 11 times. Yeah, well, four of them were mine in one game. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I saw your highlight reel. I also remember that he beat you. Watch it again. Don't watch me. Watch him. Watch me sack him four times in one game, then watch what happens after. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the BF War Room. My name is Judge Mathis, and I am joined by Randy Hardman. It is week two of the college football season. Some people might say it's week three, uh, but it's not. That first week with all those shit games don't count. It is week two, real week two of the college football season, and we are here to break it all down and definitely a lot to talk about after the Buffalo Bills versus Pittsburgh Steelers game. We're definitely, uh, after we get through Oregon, Ohio State, Iowa ISU. Uh, we're definitely going to get into positions of need for the Buffalo Bills. I think those of you listening are probably thinking to yourself, hmm, interior offensive line, hmm, cornerback. And we're going to have you covered there with some prospects to watch as the weeks progress. But let's start with the game of the games of the week in college football this week. Oregon, Ohio State. Oregon comes into the horseshoe and beats Ohio State 35 28. Randy, what two bills, two bills, scouts in attendance. Something tells me if the home opener wasn't the next day, Brandon Bean probably would have been in attendance as well. What players stood out to you in that Oregon, Ohio State game? Well, uh, we touched on him a little bit last week. Mike Hill, right? Um, you know, he mm -hmm. he had 10 tackles for solo. Um, he held Olave. Now, when I say held, it's not going to sound very good. It was 12 for 126 and along of 41. But all things considered, to hold a guy like that. Without out of the end zone, first of all, mm -hmm. um, I think it's an accomplishment in and of itself. So twelve for one twenty six doesn't sound good, but if you actually were watching the game, you it was a lot of smaller things that added yeah. up. And and you got to think to yourself too, the Buffalo Bills last year met with Thomas Graham, they met with Javon Holland, and they met with Diamador Lenoir. So they met with three Oregon DBs last year. So they have seen the tapes of guys like Mikael Wright and Verone McKinley, another guy I want to talk about here. The Buffalo Bills are surely familiar with some of these DBs at Oregon and with Teron Johnson on the last year of his rookie contract and a guy like Levi Wallace. Again, some people will say he struggled. Some people will say that's just what a CB2 is. Um, so there's probably a mixed bag of opinions on Levi Wallace, but he's also on an expiring contract defensive backs are something to look for so Mikael Wright five foot 11 180 pounds you mentioned 10 tackles he's physical he's aggressive with the line of scrimmage he did a good job on Chris Olave that's definitely a name that Buffalo Bills fans uh should keep their eye on another guy is Verone McKinley he's a safety slash nickelback kind of in that Javon Holland type of role where he can do a little bit of everything in that defensive backfield there for Oregon five foot 11, almost 200 pounds. And he had a really nice interception on Stroud in this game. So I look at Verone McKinley as a guy that Buffalo Bills fans should keep their eye on as well. And his versatility, that fact that he could maybe start his career as a nickel corner and then transition to safety is something that really intrigues me. And he's rising up uh, draft boards as well. Anyone else from that Oregon team stand out to you? Um, not as much. I mean, I know that they were without their best player on the pass rusher, um, Thibodeau. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for for Ohio State, one of the guys that we didn't get to see play and we haven't gotten to see play yet um, is Seven Banks. 
from Ohio State, six one, two hundred pound mm-hmm. corner. And you know, I was I was really looking forward. Hopefully, I was uh, he was going to make his debut this past week, and he didn't. So um, you know, this coming week against Tulsa, maybe we'll get to see him a little bit. But um, you know, he's a guy that can play both inside mm-hmm. and outside. Um, from what I've read, he travels with the receivers. You know, with his target across the game, he's not a strictly one side guy. Um, you know, and, and a physical player that uh, I think has some upside that's worth um, checking on as the season progresses. Mm. Uh, another player from Ohio State, too, Thayer Munford, the offensive tackle, offensive guard. They were talking about Munford and his leadership. There was a young tackle prospect at Ohio State, and Munford turned to him early on because Munford was the starting left tackle for Ohio State, and he said, listen, dude, you put in the work. I see you putting in the work. I'm going to give up my left tackle spot to you, and I will be the starter at left guard this year. And surely enough, Thayer Munford has kicked in, and he's playing left guard for Ohio State as opposed to left tackle. He gave up that spot because he thought that was best for the football team. So That's insane. A, guy like, a guy like Thayer Munford is showing his, his leadership abilities. And on top of that, you have Joe Marino mocking Thayer Munford to the Buffalo Bills this week in his mock draft. And this is what Joe Marino had to say about Thayer Munford. Refined blocker with outstanding size, good power, and excellent body control. He has experience at both guard and tackle with a favorable projection to either position in the NFL. The Bills will love his balance, skill set, size, length, and versatility. And with a team this week that struggled, John Feliciano getting tossed around like a rag doll. When you hear things like good power and excellent body control and good size, those are things I think that as Bills fans, you want the Buffalo Bills to invest in when they're investing in interior offensive linemen. You don't want those guys who are going to be pushed around at the line of scrimmage. We saw a number of times this week, whether it was Ike Butker, whether it was John Feliciano, these interior offensive linemen just getting shoved back into the quarterback. The Buffalo Bills need some size and some power and some guys with some body control. So Thayer Munford is definitely one to look out for. And C.J. Verdell had himself a day, too. I know maybe the Buffalo Bills don't need a running back, but C.J. Verdell looked really good for Oregon, rushing for those two touchdowns. And I will die on this hill. I love Anthony Brown, the quarterback of Oregon. I think he is Josh Johnson reincarnated. Well, some people will say it's a bad thing. I say it's a pretty darn good thing. Josh Johnson is still on the Jets practice squad. has been in the NFL like 15 years. Um, you know, I really like Anthony Brown, the fact that he, he can manage a game. He's got a nice arm. And he can get out of the pocket and he can move. And I think if you're looking at a backup quarterback, a guy who might need to come in and start a game or two for you and just keep you at 500, Anthony Brown is that type of quarterback. I'm not projecting him to have a starting NFL career or anything like that, but bring him in, get him on the practice squad, develop him for a year or two like we've been developing like a Davis Webb. And I think he's got the skill set to stick around and be a quality you know, NFL uh, backup quarterback. There's a market for guys like that, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what that's what Tyrod Taylor was when he was drafted out of Virginia Tech in the sixth round. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. type of guy that he was. And sure enough, he's proved to have a you know semi-successful, fruitful, you know, NFL career, even as a you know as a marginal starter or as a backup. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a market for those type of guys. Yeah, the other big game this week, uh, your favorite game was Iowa Iowa State, and it did not end the way Oof. you thought it was going to end. Iowa with a thumping. On Iowa State, 27-17. Turnovers were the name of the game. The guys that really impressed me on that Iowa defense, Riley Moss didn't have any interceptions, but he still recorded a team lead, seven tackles for Iowa. And his his battery mate there at cornerback, uh, Matt Hankins, had two picks. What did you see in that Iowa defense? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they had their way with Iowa State. None of the playmakers for Ohio State were really able to get going. Brees Hall got going a little bit, but even he had a fumble in the red zone there, um, you know, to turn the ball over. So, you know, Kohler didn't do anything. They didn't really target him at all for whatever reason. Uh, Brock Purdy was awful throwing three interceptions. And, um, I, you know, hats off to Iowa's defense. They had a great game plan, and they, they came in and executed. Hankins, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be day two or day three, but that's definitely a guy that I want to, you know, monitor as the season progresses. Yeah, uh, you know, that – Charlie Cooler was the biggest disappointment to me, and I think a lot of that had to do with the quarterback play of Iowa State. Their starter, Brock Purdy, got benched. Only four catches for 34 yards. Uh, that was certainly disappointing, and, and Brees Hall had that fumble too. So Tyler Linderbaum is, again, I, I have a question for you because he showed up in a big way in that game, and he was pushing people around, and he was having his way, and he was doing a really good job of falling. By the end of this college football season, because it was – at first it was, you know, you know, a guy like Casey, you know, Casey Reed over here at BF was like, Hey, this, this Linderbaum guy, keep an eye out for him next year. I really like him. You know, then Bruce Nolan from, from Buffalo rumblings got in on it. And he was talking a little bit about Tyler Linderbaum. And then next thing I know this week, it's, it's national guys are all over Tyler Linderbaum. This guy has a chance to be the most hyped offensive lineman heading into a draft class that I, re that I ever remember because he's getting himself like some cult status here. What were your thoughts on Linderbaum? Well, I mean, I think the secret's out on him. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, he's he was mauling people. I mean, there's you could you could watch any number of plays, and he was just getting after it and putting people in the dirt. I mean, it was it was amazing to watch. Uh, as somebody who's actively rooting for Iowa State, it wasn't fun for me, but I could appreciate the work that he was putting in. Um, you know, we're going to talk about a couple, you know, several interior offensive lineman options, and I, you know. With Linderbaum, I have noted that you might have to take the Eric Wood route with him, which is start him at guard and then move him over to center once you move on from Mitch Morse, whether that's mm -hmm. next year or the year after, whatever it may be. It was the same way we started with Eric Wood, and that worked out fantastic aside from the injuries. Um, I, I would be a, a huge fan of that move if that were to be the case, but he may not be available at 29, 30, 31, 32, wherever we're going to be picking at the end of the draft. Yeah. Yeah, he he could end up big the Garrett Bradbury route and be drafted, uh, you know, late teens, early twenties. He he is that good of a talent, the Eric Wood type of Alex Mack type of of guy who goes super early in the draft. But you mentioned the Eric Wood route having Mitch Moore starting at center. I think that's the question the Buffalo Bills are going to have to ask themselves this offseason. Mitch Morse, you know, he he's a good center, and there's a lot of positives about Mitch Morse. But you saw him getting pushed back by guys like Cam Hayward into Josh Allen as well. I think the Buffalo Bills have, need to make a decision this offseason. You either need to invest in two really quality guards next to Mitch Morse to sort of protect Mitch Morse, the bigger, more powerful guys, to sort of protect a more finesse Mitch Morse. Or you might need to bite the bullet and move on from a guy like Mitch Morse and go out and find a more powerful anchor on your offensive line because I think him getting pushed back a little bit um, even though he does have so many good traits, other traits to make up for it um, could be an issue, especially with the dog shit that we've been putting next to him the last couple of years. What are your thoughts on on Mitch Morse's future? I think when you talk about Mitch, Mitch Morse's future, you, you have a fundamental discussion about what your blocking scheme is going to be going forward, what type of offense you want to run going forward. If they're going to be this high octane, this high octane spread, you know, passing uh, heavy heavy passing attack Mitch Morse is the type of guy that you want 
because you're right. He, he's not the, the heavy anchor um, in the run game type guy, but he's a guy that's going to be able to get out on poles and, and, you know, get out in front and lead the way um, on those pull and, on those pin and pull runs. He's great at that. He's not a, a road grading mauler, even though he looks like he should be at six, six and, you know, 330 pounds, whatever he is, he's not. So they have to decide if, if OG Bobby Johnson is going to be, you know, their long-term, if that's the way they want to stick or if they want to move on and go a different direction. A lot of it depends on on the coaching staff and and what they want to do. Yeah, for sure. Some other highlights uh, that I have from the college football weekend, Aiden Hutchinson continues to just absolutely rise up draft boards. Two and a half sacks versus uh, Washington, six foot six, 265, looking like a damn Bosa out there. And that's weird for a guy in a, in a Michigan uniform. Mike, Michael Mayer, again, the tight end from Notre Dame with uh, two touchdowns this week. And Anthony Richardson, I know he's a freshman, and Michael Mayer is a sophomore. Those two guys aren't even true. But the, the talk of college football might be Anthony Richardson right now and what he's doing there in Florida. Hopefully he, uh, he gets healthy because that's a big game against Bama this week, and we're going to talk about that later on in the show. But let's move on now to positions where the Buffalo Bills are probably going to be looked to drafting this year. And I think it's pretty much common sense at this point. The position that we just talked about, interior offensive line, guard, tackle. John Feliciano did not look great. Ike Bucker did not look great. Mitch Morris had a so-so day. Cody Ford had a so-so day. That's something that's concerning for the Buffalo Bills, not to mention, you know, uh, Ike Bucker's contract is up. Ryan Bates is a restricted free agent. Mitch Morse, with a long history of concussions, just keeps getting older and older. So it's definitely a position that could see some turnover for the Buffalo Bills next offseason. So offensive line is the first position I want to address. I have a name for you, and again, Kenyon Green, the guy from Texas A&M, continues to uh, show up and show out week after week. He's athletic. And this is these are the two traits that I'm looking for in offensive guards this year when we talk about offensive guards. Powerful and controlled. Power and control. Power and control. Size, power, control. Those are the three things I'm looking for. I'm looking for guys who, when they are have, have those one-on-one matchups that John Feliciano and Ike Bucker were losing this week, I want guys who can sustain their blocks, can keep guys can keep defensive linemen at the line of scrimmage and not push them back into our quarterback. So Kenyon Green was the first name that popped up to me. But again, we've already talked about Tyler Lindenbaum could go earlier than, you know, the 25 to 32 range. This is another guy where I'm seeing projected earlier than the 25 to 32 range. So it'll be really interesting to see as the season progresses. And as we get into January and February, where these guys end up once you know, agents start to talk and things start to leak and where their draft position really is. But Kenyon Green is a guy that really caught my eye. Um, what's another name that might have caught your eye at the in the interior of the offensive line? Well, first of all, I think it's funny that the, the things that you mentioned that you were looking for, because we didn't talk about this beforehand, mm-hmm. but it seems like we're looking for the same things. You know, power and control, balance, not overreaching and things like that. When those things are in the scouting reports, you kind of pay attention. And um so I'm going to get started at the bottom of my list. I have I have four names. I'm going to get started at the bottom. And, you know, I think it would be fun to sit in on a Georgia practice because Jamari Saylor, the 6'4", 340-pound guard out of Georgia, is is one that I need to start watching a little bit more of. Um, you know, the, the notes that we have on him, wide base, nasty demeanor, good lateral agility, doesn't reach and pass pro, uh, great awareness, but can be some of a finesse blocker at times. Um, he plays a little bit high, a little susceptible, but those to me seem like issues that can be fixed by coaching. 
So if you have a quality O-line coach, that would be a guy that you might take in the middle rounds and be able to develop uh, to be a starter either year one, possibly year two. But uh, yeah, Jamari Saylor is one that that I'll be watching um, this week, as a matter of fact, when Georgia comes to town and beats the shit out of my Gamecocks <laughs> because I don't think that's going to be a very competitive game. Um, but yeah, him versus Jordan Davis uh, in practice should be is a is a fun watch, I bet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, Mountain of a Man is is another theme here. I, I'm going with another guy who's getting some first round conversations. Joe Marino had him in his first round mock draft this week, and that's Darian Kennard, the interior offensive lineman from Kentucky. Another Mountain of a Man stole him from me. <laughs> stole from you. Stole I mean, him. he's got he's got the power that you want in the run game, and he. He still manages to be tough for for pass rushers, uh, and he he does he does a, a solid job in pass protection. So, um, pairing him with a veteran tackle in a Deion Dawkins or a Daryl Williams, this is a guy who you probably will be able to plug and play. And he's got just the he's got the stature and he's got the ability to be a guard in this league for a really long time. I really like Darian Kennard, and again, it's that power, it's that balance. Couple things about Kennard. He is currently the number 12th overall ranked player on TDN's board on their big board. Mm -hmm. So he is definitely getting, you know, some press and some, some looks uh, as far as the scouting community goes. Now he logged 47 knockdowns in 2020, 47 knockdowns in 2020. That's a, that's a big nasty guy that I would love to see on the other side in between uh, either Dawkins and Morris or in between uh, Darrell Williams or Spencer Brown and Morris. And the third little tidbit, I don't know if you saw this, but he's related to Dolly Parton. So we could have <laughs> we could have a Dolly Parton relative and a Warren G relative in the same on the same team or singing the same... national anthem. Singing the yeah. national anthem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Warren, a Warren G uh Dolly Parton national anthem duet. Yeah. Like a remix. <laughs> a remix would be perfect. Oh man. Uh who else do you got at on the interior of the offensive line? So we've got Kennard so far. We've obviously got Linderbaum. We got Kenyon Green uh, and, and Sailor from Georgia. Who else you got? So I have two guys that, and you'll be proud of this, I have two guys that have wrestling backgrounds. Oh, yeah. There one, we go. one is somebody from your neck of the woods, uh, Donovan West at ASU, the 6'3", 220-pound junior. Mm -hmm. um, he is uh, currently plays tackle, but he's projected to move inside. Um, he's got a little bit of a size issue, which is why he's projected to move inside. But he does well with handling speed. He's a finisher, no quit, um, hence the wrestling background. I mean, uh, he has above average awareness. So mm -hmm. that was one. The other one is uh, somebody that Tilt is probably going to be familiar with, and you can ask him about this on Thursday if you guys yeah. discuss it, is Ikem Ikwanu, the 6'4", 320-pound junior from NC State. Um, mm -hmm. The notes that I have on him is power, 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 long arms, wide and thick, um, the, he has a Mahler mentality, high motor. And uh, so there was a, one of the, the sites that I was looking at had a quote from a scout that said he is the, quote, most feared lineman in the ACC. So sounds yeah. like a good one to watch for me. I mean, I'll be yeah. watching some NC State going forward. <laughs> Speaking of NC State, I got an interior offensive lineman from NC State on my list in Grant Gibson. Uh, this guy is a former defensive tackle. So, you know, he's a big boy. He's got a, you know, he's very thick and he's got a low center of gravity. He was PFF's ninth ranked, uh, center last year in college football, uh, going into another year. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses this year. So Grant Gibson from North Carolina state is another one to look out for any other names along the interior that you had on your list, or is that just about do it for, 
for your list. That was there. that was all I had. I think between mm-hmm. those four, I'll have a lot of games to to DVR, yeah, and uh, and catch up on because um, those are that's that's going to be a lot of watching. And then plus all the corners that we got down here to talk about here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on and let's transition now to corner. Obviously, Teron Johnson is in a contract year. He had a great game, in my opinion, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Buffalo Bills decide to go give him a contract extension, I don't think I'd be upset by it. But we're now starting to be a, a team that paid a franchise quarterback, there will be good players who unfortunately have to leave. And Teron Johnson could end up being one of them, especially if a guy like Sean McDermott feels like he can replace those guys in the secondary. Now he's got his three big ones in Hyde, Poyer, and White. If he thinks the rest of the guys can sort of be interchangeable because he's that good of a coach, you could see Teron Johnson be someone who walks. Levi Wallace. Ooh, there was one rep where he just fell to the ground and Deontay Johnson was wide open, but Ben Roethlisberger didn't have time to give him the ball. You uh, saw the pass interference on Levi Wallace. Uh, Some people question the call. I don't. I mean, the guy's got the stiffest neck in the National Football League. Never turns his head around. Uh, And then, you know, the touchdown that was on him, I I don't blame him. That was a a really great play by Deontay Johnson. It was great coverage. But Levi Wallace is also in a contract year. Dane Jackson never got to see the field. So this is something as the season progresses where we could be looking for another boundary corner. And I know both of us like this guy. We've already mentioned Riley Moss from Iowa. We've already mentioned Matt Hankins from Iowa. This guy is a guy that was on both of our lists. Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, a guy who right now is a projected middle first round pick, but he's a guy with a 31.2 career passer rating against literally your passer rating would be higher as a quarterback. If you threw the ball into the dirt, that is how good the passer career passer rating against Sauce Gardner is. What are your thoughts on Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati? Well, I think the numbers speak for themselves when it comes to, to Gardner. I mean, 98 targets, 40 catches, six mm-hmm. interceptions, 14 pass breakups. Uh, the guy is a player. I mean, he's a flat-out player, um, You know, a, a bigger guy, too. I, I like I like yep. the idea of having a, a corner that's a little bit taller, um, like a Levi Wallace on the other side, just somebody that's better. Mm-hmm. You know, Levi's yeah. not a... He's not a bad player, but you need to get better. And I think mm-hmm. somebody like Sauce Gardner would be a wonderful addition over there on the yep. other corner at six two one ninety, lanky, Length, but he ta- good tackler. Yeah, plays that press man, really um, physical. Mm-hmm. Yep, physical, but he knows how to use the length and everything. I mean, he just he comes across as a guy that would really thrive in the system because we don't just play a straight zone. There is there is some press man elements to it, and I think it would be a, a good fit. So I'll, I'll be interested to to uh, continue to watch him as the year progresses. Uh, who else did you have on your list? I had a, I, I had a guy pro football focus ranked him first team this week. And I wanted to ask you about him. Cause he's a South Carolina guy, Cam Smith. What are your thoughts on Cam Smith from South Carolina? Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to watch a whole lot of Cam Smith yet, or at least focus on him. Cause when I watch mm-hmm. South Carolina games, I'm, you know, usually just watching the game as a fan. I'm not looking at it yeah. um, analytically. So I will, um, I'll have to get back to you on that. I haven't focused on him a whole yeah. lot. Yeah, because he made Pro Football Focus's uh, team of the week this week. So I think Cam Smith, SEC corner, could be a now, name to look out for. Uh, in fairness, Eastern Carolina is not very good. <laughs> so it could have just been one of those things where you're feasting on a can, even though yeah. they made us look terrible because we barely mm-hmm. beat them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Riley Moss has been my guy early on. Uh, you mentioned the guy from Ohio State, Hankins, uh, and Hankins from Iowa. Booth from Clemson is another mid first round pick, kind of like Sauce Gardner. I'm starting to see some people put him right there neck and neck with Stingley, who's going to go in the top 10. So what are your thoughts on Booth from Clemson? 
All right. So admittedly, you know, I'm not a Clemson guy. Yeah. Um, I, I usually kind of punch holes in them as much as possible. I think Booth is um, – who's a – A.J. Terrell was a kid that went to the mm-hmm. Falcons a couple of years ago or last year, whatever it was. Um, I think he he is kind of in that mold where it might take him a year or so to, to catch on. His first year might be rough, but uh, he's a, he's a, you know, solid size, solid skills, you know, um, six foot, 200 pounds. He's, he's going to be a good player, but it may take him a year. So I, mm-hmm. I like, I like Booth as somebody that would be available to us if they want to go that route, but he is not a guy that would be first, second, third, or fourth on my list among draftable position players. Really? Yeah. I mean, a, I'm valuing inside offensive line way more than mm-hmm. than corner at this point because I don't think I don't think um, McDermott and Bean are going to be valuing corner that highly. Yeah. So yeah, unless somebody unless somebody really stood out on the board, and I don't think it's him. Yeah. So uh, some other names that stick out to me: uh, Noah Daniels from TCU is definitely someone uh, I think I'm going to keep my eye on over the course of uh, this year. Uh, you know, Kiari Elam from, 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 from Florida, that's a name against Alabama that I think I'm going to want to keep an eye on is, is Kiari Elam. Uh, but other than that, you know, I do need to, I think, dive into the cornerbacks a little bit more seriously that Alabama game too, I guess with Florida, uh, Josh Joby is another name in that Alabama game that you could keep an eye out for, but I don't know why there is one. Yeah. Sorry. There, no, there is one that I, I actually, I would love to talk to Damon Talbot about uh, this guy because he's a small mm-hmm. school guy. Um, Jordan Reed had him on his five breakout players of the week yeah. this week on uh, TDN, and it was Jacoby Durant from South Carolina State. Um, yeah. Two interceptions versus Clemson, uh, twelve pass breakups, and five interceptions for his career. Uh, if you're looking at small school guys, I, I would definitely be interested to hear Damon's take on on him because. Sounded like there's some some things to be interested in there. Yeah, I mean for sure. Uh, my interest though, it just seems to be drawn to these like hybrid safety nickel players. Like like Verone McKinley is one that I really like, and Bubba Bolin from Miami is another guy uh, that I'm keeping my eye on. But another guy, this is a guy who's a nickel corner for Stanford, and it was kind of funny. Stanford shit kick so USC so bad they fired Clay Hilton about <laughs> three years too late, in my opinion. But hey, Kyle Blue Kelly, a guy who I mentioned on this show. Last week, six foot one, 190 pounds, nickel corner. He had a nice interception on 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 Kedon Slovis. So that's a name I think to continue keeping an eye on as well as the season progresses. All right, what are the games that we need to keep our eyes on this week as college football fans? I know for a fact that I will be tuning in to the big one, Florida and. Uh, Alabama. What are your thoughts on Florida, Alabama? And what's another game that you're going to be looking forward to this week? I mean, if you want to watch Elam from Florida um, mm-hmm. against Alabama's receivers, that would be the reason to watch it for me. I think Alabama is going to absolutely shit kick Florida. Uh, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that's going to be competitive whatsoever, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the, the games that I'd be interested in are going to be the ones where we have um, players to watch. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have Cincinnati versus Indiana. Um, where you can get to watch Sauce Gardner. Um, I particularly will be, aside from the uh, the USC and Georgia game, USC-UGA, mm-hmm. um, or as you people might call it, South Carolina versus Georgia. Um, <laughs> obviously, we have the two guys, the two or three guys from Georgia that that we're interested in, plus um, 
you know, a couple guys from South Carolina. And it's not as heavy as last year with those draft eligible players, but there's a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ohio State and Tulsa, there's some interesting players in that game. Uh, from both to see sides. how that defensive tackle holds up with that OSU offensive line. What's the name of that defensive tackle there at, at Stevenson? Yeah. Tyrese Stevenson. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I have the late game, ISU versus uh, UNLV. So Iowa State gets a another chance late to, to show that they're not a complete asshole of a team and uh, <laughs> maybe start to live up to that promise that had them ranked in the top 10 coming out this season. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be super interesting. I'm, I'm, Penn State versus Auburn is 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 another game that I think that a lot of people are going to have eyes on. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills had a lot of eyes on the Auburn Tigers last year and that defense. So in watching that Auburn-Penn State game, what's left of that defense that didn't declare for the draft last year would something uh, would be something the Bills fans should keep their eye on because the Buffalo Bills had an, they had their eyes on Bynes last year. They also had their eyes on um, – uh, I think Auburn Sherman has a corner with it last year. Yeah. So that's something you want to keep your eyes on. Penn state has a really good safety. You're going to want to keep your eye on as well. Uh, so a, a number of players in that Auburn Penn state game as well. So that'll just about do it for this week. We will be back again for week four, uh, week three, week three. I almost tripped myself up there. We'll be back again for week three when, uh, we'll come back with our reactions. Maybe there'll be some new positions to scout. Who knows? Maybe Levi Wallace becomes a stud against the Miami Dolphins. Doubt it. Going up against guys like Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker and uh, a lot of speed there in Miami for him to go up against. So it should be interesting to see. Uh, but we'll be back with more prospects to watch next week and react to some pros- prospects. And until next time, go Bills, go Bulls, go Sun Devils. And for you, it's, it's go Bills and it's go what? Go Cox.